Welcome to another Rainmaker Marketing Podcast, where we talk to the shapers and shakers of the property industry who all have a variety of perspectives. I'm Natalie, and today we have the pleasure to talk about all things green with Georgina Smith, Head of Technical and recently appointed Executive Director of the Green Building Council South Africa. Prior to joining the Green Building Council, Georgina was a Senior Sustainability Consultant at Arup, working on the incredible silo precinct in the V&A waterfront for seven years. The Green Building Council is a non-profit organization who works with its membership community to transform the built environment for people and our planet to thrive. They operate across commercial, residential, and public sectors to ensure that buildings and homes are designed, built, and operated in an environmentally sustainable way. Welcome, Georgina. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, Georgina, let's kick off and talk about certification. Can you shortly tell us what this is? Yes, certainly, Natalie. So I think to begin with, I'm very passionate about certification. And this was even before I joined the GBCSA. I think I've um, developed my love for certification, obviously, while I was working as a sustainability consultant in the, in the private industry. Because it's, in effect, a stamp of approval, and it's a credible stamp, that your building's claims of being green are actually true. So, you know, to put it in very simple terms, certification is there to guide the property sector and stakeholders within the property market around claims of green buildings or claims to being a green building, and very importantly, to prevent greenwashing. So we have different types of certifications. Um, You know, they apply for different types of buildings. So it can apply to an office building, but the criteria for an office building would be slightly different to that of a hotel or a residential development. So it really goes across different sectors. And then you also assess different criteria according to the building's stage and its life cycle. So we would have different criteria for when we're actually designing buildings to when we're actually building them and we're on site and we're having to get you know the materials that exist in reality but then obviously once the building is existing and it's operational there are different assessment criteria so the brands that we typically use and that you would see in South Africa are called Green Star the second one is Edge which is from the IFC the International Finance Corporation and then there are also Net zero tools and I'll talk a bit more about that a little bit later but what's incredibly exciting is that last year the GBCSA together with the property sector and all the built environment professionals celebrated a major milestone we reached the thousandth certification in the history of the green building movement GBCSA and really that is something to celebrate for everybody who was there at that beginning of the journey. And I remember those days in early, you know, 2009, all the way to, you know, the buildings that are recently being certified. And it really has been a significant evolution. And we can talk a bit more to those trends, but it was really a fantastic moment to kind of stop, pause, see what we've done, you know, but also to recognize how far we still need to go. Yeah, I mean, that is an incredible achievement. I mean, a thousand buildings. And um, in terms of the ratings, are you seeing more and more buildings 
coming through at the six-star rating or, or at least developers trying to achieve? Is, is that the highest star at the moment? Yes, definitely. So we've got different performance levels for different types of tools. So within our green star range of tools, you can either get a four star, which equates to industry uh, best practice, or a five star, which is South African excellence, or a six star, which is the highest you can get. This is world leadership. And yes, we have definitely seen more six star certifications, you know, within the last two to three years, but they still only make up about 5% of our entire certification portfolio. So they still really do speak to buildings that are demonstrating excellent and innovative uh, sustainability designs and strategies. Then when we look at edge, we get the edge standard, which means that you are 20% better in energy, water, and embodied carbon against a baseline. But then you also can get edge advanced, which means that your energy savings are representing a 40% improvement. And last year, we saw several projects, particularly around residential developments, that have achieved preliminary edge advanced status. And this is fantastic because, you know, the residential sector contributes about a third to the energy needs of South Africa. So that's important for us to get energy savings in that sector, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, um, what is the impact on the end user? So is there any benefit for homeowners that buy from developers in terms of um, edge certified buildings? Research that we have seen is indicating that, yes, there definitely is a benefit for the homeowners that are buying into edge certified developments. So they would typically speak to your utility savings, both from an energy and a water perspective, because obviously, in theory, if you're saving on energy and water, that should translate into, you know, cost reductions on your monthly bills from your local municipality. So some of the research that we've seen has been able to actually quantify that. And, you know, at different um, income brackets and groups that can really make a substantial difference and an incredibly positive and empowering impact for those households and those and those homeowners. Another key benefit for buying into a green residential development is that you'll typically find that in order to optimize your energy savings, the architect and the design team have worked together to think quite carefully about the building's orientation. You know, are you getting nice daylight in, but are you also protected against really harsh sunlight at certain times of the day? So things like daylighting and thermal comfort, which really is around, you know, how well you're insulating your building to make sure that it is comfortable from a temperature perspective, also influence how you actually, how you live in a home and how you enjoy your home so that it's actually comfortable. In terms of costs, I'm sure that that is the most obvious question. Like, what does it cost to go green when the CFOs and the CEOs sit with those viabilities and they're trying to make a development work and they're trying to find returns? I think a lot of people do think that going green is more expensive. Um, What is the business case for it? Natalie, thank you for that question. This is a key question that the GBCSA has tried to answer for both its members, but also for the industry at large. And in, I think it was about 2010, 2011, uh, there was a research study that looked at the rands and cents of green. And one of the key findings from that is that, you know, there are estimates about what it costs to go green. And those estimates range from like 10 to 17%. But 
they really were only estimates and also it was only global data that was informing that. So to respond to that, the GBCSA partnered really amazingly with the University of Pretoria and the Association for Curses in South Africa on a research project where, in effect, we take the projects that we're certifying that have actually achieved a new build green star rating, and we get primary actual data from these projects on the ground around what the cost premium is from the project QS. And there have been about three editions of the study to date where we have actually been able to cost, okay, well, what does it really mean to build a green building in comparison to a business as usual or a conventional building? The first study came out with an average of about 5%, you know, that it was going to be 5% on average, more expensive to build a green building. But that premium has come down as an average over the years, and it's sitting at about 3.5%. But keep in mind that that's an average. When we're looking at the minimum or the lower end of the spectrum, we are seeing buildings that are being developed that are green buildings and that are getting certified at less than half percent of a premium. So I think that there's very solid evidence right now in terms of you know local data that we've got in our industry that shows that we've paid for our school fees, our industry has matured, there are a lot of green building consultants out there who really know what they're doing, they're excellent, there's a vibrant green community you know, that can provide cost-effective solutions. So that's, that's really been, I think, incredible. So I would, I would encourage anybody to challenge uh, the perception that going green has to be more expensive. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that is, that is incredible. I mean, um, obviously, it's, it's been so many years. So we have those case studies that, that you can prove and say, listen, it is actually cheaper. And I mean, for, for, the, for the long-term benefits of the building and everyone in it, it it's, it's an absolute no-brainer. To shift gears a bit, um, let's zoom out of South Africa f- for a moment and have a look at some international trends and evolution of green buildings. Are there any exciting things that you are aware of that you can tell us about? Natalie, how long do you have? <laughs> No, look, I mean, you know, working in the sustainability field and particularly working for a Green Building Council is unbelievably stimulating and intellectually rewarding. I love my day job. We are exposed to so many interesting and exciting projects and, you know, so much potential that um, I, I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm not saying this so my boss can hear it, but but I love getting up in the morning to do to do what I do. So in terms of interesting and exciting things that are happening in the sustainability space, we've got big trends like net zero. You know, that means we're moving to a point where buildings need to operate at a net zero carbon status so that we can reach our Paris Agreement climate targets so that we don't allow for global warming to exceed one and a half degree threshold. And I think for, you know, maybe just to remind everybody, all our major metros in South Africa were part of a C40 program. And they have all committed to, in theory, um, to the targets that by 2030, we shouldn't be building any new buildings that are not net zero carbon. So my question to anybody on the call right now is any project you're involved in, do you know, is it is it going to be net zero carbon by, by 2030? Are you including that in your design? Because this is not only a local target, this is also a global target. So all GBCs 
and you know there are various organizations that are working towards this new build target by 2030 and the aim is that by 2050 which i know sounds far away but it's not really is that all of our buildings are operating at net zero carbon it's an ambitious goal but it has gained a lot of traction and we sit on a lot of uh, forums where we engage with gbc's green building councils from other you know regions of the world and 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 there's a lot happening in the space but obviously we do need you know more more action at scale and then related to that you know we know that buildings and the built environment accounts for about 40% you know of global emissions so yes very much a part of the problem but excitingly the built environment and buildings offer off the shelf and cost effective solutions to also combat climate change and um you know reduce energy consumption. And that also includes looking at our upfront embodied carbon, which is really looking at the carbon embedded in the bricks and the steel and the paint and the carpet that you use in your building. So there's a lot of movement on that space globally. We're trying to stimulate that in South Africa with a development that I'll chat about, you know, just now. But then, so then linked to that is another key trend that we've seen, and that's ESG, which is environmental and uh, governance criteria for investors when they're deciding, you know, what should they invest in and how does that translate into a financial kind of impact for their investment. So we've seen, you know, the rise of ESG and how green buildings support a lot of ESG criteria that investors can look at and then go, wow, this is a green building. And because it's a green building, it's actually de-risking many of the concerns that we have as a future investment. So that's really important. And then that is also then linked to sustainable financing. So we've seen a lot of the banks, if not all, come out with products to say, if you're going to go green, we're going to give you a benefit or we're going to allocate capital your way. So that really has been important. And then I think just locally, if you're interested and if you're an architect or you're a built environment professional, but you're not part of the green community, we are busy coming up with a new tool for new buildings, you know, to inform their design and their construction. It's incredibly exciting. It's informed by all the global mega sustainability trends. And we think it's really going to transform how we define green for both South Africa and hopefully also the African continent. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing, um, you know, especially if you're talking about the materials that you use, where they come from. So I would imagine that your edge certification criteria and your ESG criteria sort of merge in some places, um, for lack of a better term. Do you see the uptake or the application of ESG a little bit more prevalent in the REITs and listed uh, sector? Yes, definitely. I was actually at the, at the SA REIT conference a week or two ago and there was uh, you know one of the talks was about ESG and I think it's around you know if you're a responsible business you need to understand what impacts climate change will have on your business in the future and how resilient is your business to withstand and cope against some of those risks and so you know green buildings really have been around for a long time they've been around since the 70s in terms of, you know, not just the certification schemes, but in terms of the principles around good design and how that translates into sustainable design. And that really speaks to thinking about how a building responds to its context. 
And, you know, climate change is very local. It's, it's, it's contextual. It's around how's the weather changing in that region? How are rainfall patterns changing in that region? And so buildings need to have that consideration in their design to ensure business continuity into the future and with the future climate change that we already know is going to happen. In terms of the international players, who is leading the pack in terms of innovation internationally? I mean, we we hear a lot from Saudi, from Dubai, from those countries. Yeah, who would you say is is doing really, really amazing things in the sustainability and green areas? I mean, I, I sit on a lot of World Green Building Council forums because obviously the Green Building Council is a member of, sorry, the GBCSA is a member of the World Green Building Council. We get to see what a lot of other Green Building Councils are doing and what's happening in their markets. And I would say many markets are doing many things. And what I love about the approach is that it's contextual and it's not a one size fits all. You know, it's around understanding what those local market conditions are and applying appropriate responses. I think from a kind of global leadership perspective where you see the same you know, voices coming out with solutions, you would typically find that to be American and I think you know, Australian. And then obviously a lot of the Scandinavian countries also have got uh, very good examples of buildings that are pushing the boundaries. But I would definitely say it's a concerted you know, global effort. And I think that obviously we're a little bit biased because we're, you know, we're, we're South African, but, but I think South Africa and increasingly a lot of African GBCs are contributing impactfully and also leading the way with a lot of conversations around how buildings impact social impact or, you know, sorry, how they inform social impact and how they need to build resilient communities. Yeah. I mean, South Africans, as we know, are very resilient and we're very proud of our, of our, people. Yeah, so I mean, that that is very interesting. I, I think like your Switzerland's and Australia's definitely very, very interesting. Let's just move on to, again, coming back to local. And we we obviously have our, our own challenges. So the onus regarding green building certification and green development rests very much on developers and the private sector. So how's our public sector taking greater responsibility regarding sustainability? The GBCSA works closely with several local, provincial and national government departments where really it's around partnering, collaborating and supporting the green agenda. So I think, you know, as with many things in South Africa, we've got great policies and intentions and goals that are enshrined within, you know, various either constitutional or kind of major planning documents. But it is a but the challenge often is around the implementation thereof. And so what we typically see is that you'll have different government departments that really champion sustainability and they will, you know, really stand out with some of their initiatives. And those could include looking at bylaws and policies that influence, you know, council approval for buildings. We've obviously had the EPCs, which are the Energy Performance Certificate legislation that has come out that we supported from a research perspective with our partners Carbon Trust, and that was funded by the UK PAC government, where we, you know, kind of ran a program and worked with the government departments, in, you know, particularly Sanedi, to understand how EPCs can be well implemented, what are the challenges, what do developers need more of uh, in terms of support. 
So that was really a very tangible, hands-on project where we worked with, with government to understand how do things work on the ground. We also get involved in a lot of public sector training and awareness sessions where we will share our different certification tools as options for you know, defining sustainability or providing sustainability frameworks. And then lastly, we're always looking to support public sector buildings where leaders in those departments have actually committed to certifying their buildings. I and mean, there are, there are about 30 public sector buildings in South Africa that have been certified. And they're often excellent examples of government buildings that are both green, beautiful, and very comfortable spaces to work in. Yeah, I think that is obviously an ongoing challenge. And yeah, thanks very much for the work that you've done on that side as well. Uh, Just in closing, just tell us shortly about any exciting projects that you and your team are working on. We've got a lot of exciting projects on the go. One of the ones that I love the most, and it's always the highlight on my calendar, is our Greenovate competition which is done in partnership with Growth Point Properties. And this is done with property studies students and engineering students. And, in, and recently we introduced a prop tech stream where you know certain students are selected by their universities uh, for their thesis proposals. And then at the end of the year, we have a judging day where all of the selected students are, you know, um, either flown up to Johannesburg if they come from, you know, other universities and we have a judging day with industry experts and then a gala dinner where the winners are announced. But what I love about Greenovate is that it's a day to really celebrate how the youth is being seen as a source for solutions. And they really come up with so much passion. So it's always a very inspiring, motivating and, uh, and it's an event that fills me with a lot of hope for the future for South Africa, knowing that we've got bright young minds, like the ones that we judge, that are one day going to be either our captains of industries or solving some of our problems. So that's a really exciting project. Another one is we always have our annual convention, which is normally in November. And, you know, that's really fun because it's two or three days. It's the sustainability event of the year and a lot about going green, being green, I think is about community and about belonging to a group of like-minded people who value similar things and who look at life with you know certain priorities around sharing, caring, acknowledging that things also need to make business sense. And you know that's really a kind of a nice time and a nice space to connect with those kind of like-minded people and, and grow your network. And then one of the last projects that's worth mentioning is that we're part of the Better Places for People Forum, which is an initiative by the World Green Building Council that really focuses on how buildings can actually be a conduit to support healthier and happy lives for the people who inhibit them. And we were recently part of a report called Sustainable and Affordable Housing, we really contributed quite a bit and we showcased some nice South African examples to once again engage with the myth that, you know, sustainability can't apply to affordable housing. Because at the Green Building Council, we don't want to leave any building behind. Green is for everyone and we want green to be for everyone. And it was around making the argument and showing actual examples of where green had been applied across regions all all across the world, so it wasn't just South Africa, 
where sustainability has been effectively applied to affordable housing. And that was really fun to be a part of and deliver on. Wow, that sounds really exciting. And congratulations to you and your team and all your partners like Growth Point. I think all these initiatives are really, really um, encouraging. But thank you, Georgina, for the time that you have spent with us to share your thoughts and insights on our Rainmaker Marketing podcast series. And we will see you at your convention soon. Fabulous. Can't wait to see you there. Thanks so much. Bye.